Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you've had a great day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Wonderful. Well, good to uh, see you all this morning. And uh, for those of you that are joining us online today, uh, it's great that you've uh, logged in, tuned in, turned on, whatever it is. And uh, it's good to be here. It's good that we can gather. And I just need to say, before I get into the word uh, today, uh, thanks for the phrase we've been using, being flexible and uh, full of faith. Really appreciate that. We're we're obviously keeping with uh, government guidelines as we go through this uh, Christmas season. But Jesus is still good, right? God is still in charge. Uh, We still can honor him and worship him with our lives. And, And so it's good that we can do what we can do. Let me get into the word of God today. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but there has been quite a lot of finger pointing going on. If you look in the media, if you look, well, it's not just about the media, it's life in general, isn't it? People do things wrong, the finger's pointed, people are trying to avoid giving an explanation, some people are trying to give an explanation. I'm not going to talk about office parties, but there's all kinds of things that go on, and people say, well, who's to blame, who's to blame? And life is full of that, and the thing is, because of our human condition, we have a tendency to get it wrong. Can I say that on behalf of all of us, or is that just me? As humans, we have a tendency to get things wrong, often intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But that is what happens. And sometimes we find ourselves doing everything we can to get what we want, and then realizing afterwards, was that really the right thing to do? We are so often driven to get to where we think we need to get to, we often don't realize, oh, hold on a minute, was that the correct way to go? You know, when, uh, when I was at Bible college, it was a, it was a residential Bible college. And uh, back in the day, in the early 90s, uh, it was quite, a, quite strict how it was run. And uh, so basically, amongst the students, there was, a, there was an unwritten motto. And the motto went like this. Uh, if you want to do something or get something or, or be, uh, somehow get your way around the rules, the motto was simply, repentance is easier than permission. Ooh, can you believe those Bible students would actually say that? You know, if you wanted to get home for the weekend, but you'd already used up your allocated weekends, or you wanted to do this, or you wanted to get back late from an event that you were at, people would often say, well, repentance is easier than permission. Can you believe it? I think some of you are shocked that I'm confessing such an attitude to life. You're looking like, how dare you, pastor? I would never think like that. You see, we... We find ways to do what we really want to do. We always find ways to do what we really want to do. Now, our series at the moment is called Christmas at the Movies. And today, uh, we are going to be reminded of quite, well, it's quite an old film now. Uh, it's an even older book that it's based on, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Anybody remember that one? Give me a nod. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, the problem is, our character in this film, he is... But he's pretty sad. He's pretty sad. He's disappointed with life. And uh, he can't enjoy Christmas. In fact, he not only doesn't enjoy Christmas, he hates Christmas. Now, you don't have to confess, but, you know, the music starts, the people start enjoying themselves, the presents start to be bought, and he can't stand it. And so not only does he not like Christmas for himself, but he decides to ruin it for everyone else. So he ruins the whole occasion for everybody else in Whoville, by the way, if you haven't seen the film, by stealing, spoiler alert, stealing their presents. He steals all their presents of the people of Whoville. And so uh, eventually in the film, and you've got to get all the way to the end to get this, uh, eventually 
he comes to the realization or he has a revelation of a self of himself really of, of, of the situation he's in and of the fact that how he's been behaving and how he's been acting towards others and in fact there are people that actually like him and uh, so what happens is he he's stolen all the gifts but now he finally has this kind of moment where he realizes this is all wrong so he looks for a way to return the gifts and so that's where we're just going to uh, watch this next clip okay now you may or may want to watch the rest of the film uh, later this Christmas. But notice that what happens at the end there is the mayor of the town, obviously he wants justice and he wants punishment for this creature, for this person that has been uh, making their life miserable. But the officer says, he said he was sorry. He said he was sorry. So what I want to talk about today is sorry or sorry. Sorry or sorry. Because when we say sorry, are we sorry for our actions or are we sorry for being caught? Are we sorry for our actions or are we saying sorry so that we can continue to do what we were doing? Yeah? Kids, if you remember back to your childhood, sometimes you say sorry because you knew it was the word that was expected, but you had no intention of changing what you were doing. It's just you need to say sorry. So are you sorry or sorry? You see, is there a sorry for the actions or just some remorse but no change? Sorry or sorry? The scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 9 puts it like this. Yet now I am happy, not because you have made, been made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any uh, way by us. Now the backstory to this short passage in 2 Corinthians is that Paul has corrected the church in Corinth and he's told them some things that they really needed to change. And now he's gone away from them and he's concerned that they've taken it so bad that they're no longer that, that it's ruined their relationship. He's so concerned that they're now no, no longer the friendship has been spoiled because there was the correction that took place. And so now he writes and says, "Wow, now I'm happy again because I realized that though you were sorry, your sorry brought about something that God intended. Verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. You see, the scripture is clear that there's two kinds of sorry. There's a sorry and a sorrow that leads to repentance, and there's a sorry which is simply, as the scripture puts it here, leads to death. There's a sorry that doesn't really bring change. You see, the definition of repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind. It's a turning from something and a turning to something. Wherever you read about repentance in the scripture, it means about turning from and turning to. Turning from what has been done, a way of living, and turning to God and his ways. And so there is a sorry in our lives which leads to repentance, and there is a sorry that simply leads to Death. You see, there's a sorry that leads to a new start. It brings us in the right direction that we need to be in. Or there can be a sorry that simply a, a, confirms the separation that we have from others. It confirms our regrets and we go on a repeat cycle. In fact, if you look in, in the gospel accounts of the first followers of Jesus, of Jesus' disciples, you'll read there about, uh, about Peter, but you also read about Judas. You see, Peter on the night that Jesus was betrayed and on, on that very night when he'd said to Jesus, whatever they do for you, I'm not going to leave you. Whatever happens, I'll never deny you. Whatever happens, I'm right with you. And hours later, 
he denied he'd ever known Jesus. He denied he'd ever known Jesus. And yet Judas also denied Jesus. Judas, Judas uh, uh, actually cashed in and got some finances together because he betrayed Jesus and denied that, that all that they had journeyed together, he denied Jesus and, and betrayed him to the authorities. But you see, in the scripture, we know that Peter, there was a sorrow that led to repentance. There was a sorrow that brought him back into relationship with God. But as for Judas, there was a sorrow. It says that he was sorrowful, but it overwhelmed him and led to death. So how does sorry, what is the sorry that leads to repentance? How does that work in our lives? How does this, are we going to be sorry or are we going to be sorry? How does that work in our experience? And I'm going to jump into uh, Luke chapter 19. Some of you know the story where Jesus, it says, is entering Jericho, he's passing through, and a man is there called Zacchaeus. And, and, and Zacchaeus is a, the Bible says, the chief tax collector. Not just the tax collector, but the chief tax collector. Now, for those of you that work for uh, the government, please bear with us. It was a different system back then. It was pretty corrupt. So people would be working for the Roman uh, uh, system and they would be collecting taxes, but they would be collecting more than they should and they could keep them for themselves. And if he was a chief tax collector, he would have other people working for him and so he'd be making money on their money as well. Okay, I don't need to go any further to let you know that he wasn't very liked. People were not too happy with Zacchaeus. And of course the Bible says, the story goes that Zacchaeus is a short man, so he, he wants to see Jesus and his crowds around him, so he runs ahead, climbs a tree, so he can look down to see who this man is. And in verse 5 of Luke chapter 19, Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. I want us to see here that Jesus always takes the initiative, whatever we've done with our lives. Jesus will never hold back from taking the initiative to meet with us. It says that Jesus looked up. Jesus looked up and invited Zacchaeus. Even if you are keeping your distance, you know, even if you're keeping, you know what it's like, you can, you can attend church services, you can do some Christian stuff, but you're keeping a safe distance. Zacchaeus was keeping guarded. He was up the tree, wanted to see what was going on, but was not going to let himself into anything more. And Jesus looks up and invites, now notice this, he invites himself to his house. I love the way Jesus does that. Have you tried doing that recently? Invite yourself to someone's house? Jesus does it all the time. He says, I'm coming to your house today. Should we try that? Should we try that as we leave today, as we're walking through the source? Hi, everybody. I'm, I'll be around later. Is that okay? Some of you are looking a bit nervous now. Jesus does it all the time. He says, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And it says in verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. You see, Zacchaeus agrees to this invitation. Uh, it's a strange invitation because the invitation is to invite yourself. But to, so that his heart, you know, sometimes the story of Zacchaeus isn't just for the kids. You know, it's one of the favorite ones that, you know, there's songs about it and everything else. Because, you know, I guess kids are small and, you know, Jesus takes, looks, takes interest in them. But hey, listen, the wonderful thing is that us adults, we have a lot to do with Zacchaeus. There's a sense in which we, we want to get closer to Jesus, but we're not sure how embarrassing it's going to be. There's a sense in which we know that there's something good for us there, but we're not sure how costly that will be. But Jesus takes the initiative and Zacchaeus accepts it. Jesus is, is full of love and acceptance. Jesus can always thunder his commands, right? Son of God, he can, he can command what he needs commanded, but he approaches us with love and 
acceptance. You know, I, I believe very strongly that most people have not rejected Jesus. They've simply said no to their idea of who he is. I believe very strongly that there's not that many non-Christians. There's just a lot of not yet Christians. Are you with me? Jesus, when people meet with who Jesus really is, it's very hard to say no. When, Jesus, when people meet with the love of God and the acceptance and the grace that there is in the person of Jesus, it's very difficult to say, no thanks, that's not my thing. Most people have said no to their understanding of who Jesus is. But let me tell you, Jesus is full of love and acceptance. As he goes to Zacchaeus' house in verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. First thing I want us to see here is the sorry that leads to repentance, the sorry that tur- when we turn from old ways, turning from old ways. Right there in that meeting with Jesus, Zacchaeus recognizes, I cannot live like this anymore. I'm going to give back to those that I've stolen from. I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. In fact, I'm not just going to give back to the people I cheated. I'm going to give back four times. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to do all that I can to put things right here because I am turning from that old way of living. I'm turning from that old way of doing things. And that is what sorry does. That love and acceptance produces a repentance in our hearts, and that repentance means action. Like the Grinch in the story, he had to return the gifts. I remember my uncle telling me some years back uh, the time that he became to, came to faith in Jesus. And then, he, and then he went to work a few days later. He was a, a joiner, a carpenter. And he realized that his work van was full of other people's tools. He borrowed more than he should have. And it's like the Spirit of God said, well, you're living a new way now. How about you go to your boss? and return the tools. Imagine. Imagine. Well, you're pretty much saying fire me, right? You can, you can nod at least if you don't feel like talking today. So he went to his boss and he said, hey, listen, I'm, uh, this might sound a bit strange, but I'm, uh, I've become a Christian. I wanna, I'm following Jesus and I want to return the, st- the tools that I've, I've stolen. And the boss heard the story. He was so overwhelmed with the story. He said, well, you better keep them. <laughs> and, uh, but hey, that doesn't always happen, by the way. Uh, but, you know, there's a sense in which when there's, when there's a sorry, it leads to turning from old ways. And we look for ways to put things right. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today I must stay at your house. But at the end in verse 9, he says, today salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to this house. You see, it's not enough that Jesus turns up. It's our response to him. That's when salvation happens. That's the reality. What is our response? You know, the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative tells us in Matthew chapter 1 that when the angel had to speak to Joseph because his, uh, the woman he was engaged to be married to was now pregnant with the Son of God and that's a weird story in itself and Joseph is trying to do the right thing uh, but it's an embarrassment to him and obviously to her family and the angel has to speak to him. And he said, uh, the angel says in, in Matthew 1, verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The, the name Jesus literally means the Lord saves. The Lord 
saves. This is where salvation is found. When, when we respond to him, we accept him as our Lord, then things begin to turn around. We turn from old ways, start to reorder our lives. I want to encourage us all in this Christmas season, take stock. I know uh, for many of us in this room, we've made that decision to follow Jesus. But I encourage you as you journey through this Christmas season, take stock and recognize that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord, and maybe he wants to highlight things that can be turned in your experience. Maybe there's a sorry that you've been saying that's just been the word sorry. It's just been because it should be said. But God is saying, no, no, there's a sorry that actually leads to repentance. There's a sorry that actually changes the way that we are living. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, some of you know the story of King David. Actually, Jesus was a descendant of King David. But in the Old Testament, we read of King David and how he wasn't at battle, it says, at this time, when they'd gone to war, but he stayed back. He went up onto the roof of his house. He's looking out in the evening, and he sees a very good-looking lady taking a bath, and he figures to himself, she's really good-looking, and then he thinks about that, and he thinks about it a lot, and the end of the story is not the end of the story. The next part of the story is that he ends up committing adultery with someone else's wife. And so as the story, she then has a child. He's got to tidy up the mess that he's made. So he arranges it so that the husband of this lady, Bathsheba, actually dies on the battlefield. So he's made all these kind of arrangements to cover up what he did wrong. Now in the story, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the prophet Nathan comes to visit David, as he would often do. And as he comes, he says, David, I've got a story to tell you. I've got something to tell you that's happened. And he tells him about a, a traveler who visited a rich man. And as he came to visit that man, as was the custom of the day, if a visitor, a traveler came to your door, you would show them hospitality. And so Nathan explains to David that the rich man wants to prepare a meal for the traveler and honor him. And so instead of taking one of his many lambs and, 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 and preparing a meal, he goes to a poor man in the village and he takes his lamb and slaughters it and cooks it and prepares a feast for the traveler. Now Nathan says to David, what do you think of this? And David says these words, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan turns to David and says, you are that man. Ouch. You are that man. You know, I, wanna, I, I was thinking, should I go there today? Yeah, I will go there today because... We need to have a sense of God's holiness, God's presence in our lives. That he knows we'll mess up. We know we mess up. But can we come to him with that acceptance that he shows? Or does it take the prophet Nathan to come and say, hey, you self-righteous so-and-so, you're the man. Because David wasn't slow to cast judgment on someone else getting it wrong, right? We've all done it. If we haven't verbalized it, we've thought it up here. Oh, how dare they? But the prophet says, hey, you're that man. You're that woman. You've been living the same way. You've, there needs to be a change of heart. And so the wonderful thing is, out of this story, how God redeems this circum these circumstances, we have in Psalm 51, this, the, this is the prayer that David wrote, the song that he sung coming through that experience. Psalm 51, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of, my, of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Can we hear the words of that psalm this morning? The cry from David's heart. You see, a sorry is not only turning from old ways, but it's a turning to God, a clean heart. And God is not standing there saying, oh, you'll have to do better. God is not standing there saying, you better sing up a little bit more. God is with open arms. Is that right? Didn't the prodigal son, when he realized what a mess he'd made, he said, I'll return to my father. And when he returned, he thought he'd have to make his excuses. And what was the father doing? The father, it says in the scripture, the father was running towards him. So let me encourage us all today to turn to God. Let our sorry turn us back to him. Let our sorry be a cry from our hearts. Not that we're not good enough, not that we can't make it, but no, Lord, would you do what only you can do? Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I love what it says. It says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In other words, would you teach me, would you make it possible, Lord, that I can walk in your ways? Let me have a spirit that is steadfast. Let me have a spirit that sustains me, that I can make the right choices, that I can go the right way. I trust there's a cry in our hearts today to go God's way. Even when we've messed up, we know that he is there and willing to create a clean heart in us. The scripture in Isaiah 9 verse 2, speaking of, uh, particularly when we remember the Christmas season, the Christmas story, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Sorry means that we turn from old ways. Sorry means turning to God. And sorry means walking in the light. Jesus put it like this in John 8. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, the author of John's Gospel later wrote in, in, his, in his letter in 1 John 1 verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The death of Christ, what he accomplished on the cross, purifies us from any wrongdoing. I want to encourage us all. Christmas is all about celebrating that the light has come. Jesus is the light of the world. We celebrate Jesus. We thank God for Jesus. But I want to encourage us, do we hide from that light or do we come into the light? Will we, will we stand back? Will we keep a distance? Will we be like Zacchaeus to begin with? He said, well, I'll take a look at what's happening, but I'll keep my distance. Or will we come into the light this Christmas season? Let me finish with this verse in verse 8 of 1 John 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know the word confess there? It simply means this, to speak the same word. In other words, when you confess, you agree with God. When you confess, you say the same thing about your wrongdoing that God says about it. That's a challenge for us that we would, we would name it as God names it. We've got, a lot, of another we've got a, a lot of different words for adultery these days, but God calls it adultery. Someone else's wife. There's other things that we, we know 
We're ignoring it. We're just putting it to the side. But when we confess, we're calling it what God calls it. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me ask a question. Are we sorry or are we sorry? Are we sorry that we want to change or are we just simply sorry that we got caught? Are we sorry that we want to see God's work in our lives and to go his way? Or are we simply sorry that this has messed up the situation? There's a sorry and there's a sorry. There's a sorry that leads to repentance. There's a sorry that leads to turning from our old ways and turning to God. And for you this morning, that might be, or if you're listening online, that might be something you need to do in receiving Jesus into your life. You need to make that decision to follow him, to turn from how you've been trying to do life and to turn to God. And I encourage you to take that step. But I know for many of us, there's, a, there, there's an encouragement here in the scripture. The light of the world has come. Are we going to keep our distance or are we going to walk in the light? 1 John chapter 1 encourages us to walk in the light. Don't be afraid. God is more than able to handle what you've messed up, what I've messed up. God, when you confess, God doesn't put his hand to his head and think, oh my word, how am I going to fix this? Because we do, don't we? When people tell us things, sometimes we think, oh my word, how's that going to work out? God's not phased. He's full of love, full of acceptance. Where was the place that Jesus wanted to be when he realized that Zacchaeus was watching? I've got to come to your house, friend. I want to get right involved in what's going on here because when I get involved, things are going to change. Things are going to change. Hearts change. Ways of living change. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's stand to our feet. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time of year that we're celebrating at the moment. We thank you that Jesus has come. We thank you, for the, Lord Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And we simply make a commitment this morning that we want to walk in the light. And Father God, by your spirit, as you've spoken to each heart today, things that you've put your, uh, your finger on, you've highlighted, we recognize there's places where we've, we've said sorry, but actually we need a different kind of sorry. And we invite you now to do what only you can do in our hearts. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are willing, that you are full of love and acceptance and that you are more than able to bring that change. We ask in your precious name. Amen. That's all from us here on our London Riverside Church podcast. If there's anything you would like some more clarification on, you would like to take those next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our next steps page, londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. We hope you have a fantastic week and stay blessed.